It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the Mets did what they're supposed to do. They swept a really bad team, taking all four games against the Pittsburgh Pirates. On the show today in the first segment, we will discuss the first two games of that series. In this second segment, we will talk about Sunday's game. As Jacob DeGrom said, a little bit of history. The Mets tied some history, and they did just enough offensively to get a victory. Then we will close out the show today looking ahead as one more victory in this upcoming series, and the Mets will clinch the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, Thursday, we saw the Mets take Game 1 of this series, and at the time, I said, look, this is a team they should sweep. That's how bad the Pirates are, and the Mets did that. And really, the closest game, uh, when we're looking you know, hindsight at all of it, probably was that Friday night game, and it's kind of funny because it didn't feel like it for most of the contest. Taiwan Walker just looked sensational. And there has been this limit on him this year where seven and a third is about as far as you can take him. And unfortunately, it happened again for Taiwan as he goes out in the eighth inning. We thought that he was just going to cruise in this one. You know, Prior to that, the only run he gave up in the fifth. So you get to that eighth inning and... And he gives up a two-run homer to O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz seemed to do a lot of that in this series. And that ultimately made this game closer than it had to be. But the Mets had enough offense going in this one. I mean, they scratched across four runs. There really was a lot of missed opportunities throughout the series. I mean, even though this was a series they swept, I feel like they could have scored an additional six, seven, eight runs throughout the series. I mean, each game, there was moments where... You know, this lineup probably should have done a little bit more, and I'm not knocking them at all. They did exactly what they had to do. They, they took each game of this series. But just moving forward, you'd like to see a little more production with runners in scoring position and things of that nature. But they were able to, to do enough. Uh, you know, there was the, the first run that was scored in that game was kind of a fun one uh, where you had a hit and run where Eduardo Escobar scores from first base on a single, ran through a stop sign, if you want to call it that, maybe a yield. Uh, Cora was a little bit in between on that on that sign there, but ultimately it was a bad throw. Escobar scored. Vogel back home run in that game that gave the Mets a 2-0 lead. Uh, and then later on, the Mets tacked on another with the Pete Alonso sack fly. And then Brandon Nimmo drove around with a single that proved to be the game-winning run because O'Neill Cruz's homer in the eighth got that game close. And really, the play of the game here, uh, in the ninth inning, you have Edwin Diaz come on. And Diaz... Uh, you know, he is in this spot. Actually, he came on in the eighth inning of that game, but uh, he had to close things out in the ninth. 
And it's rough for him right now because he just hasn't been used because of the Mets losing streak and the way they just have not really given him many save opportunities. So he's a little bit rusty. And a four-pitch walk to begin that ninth inning, a little bit sketchy for the Mets. Luckily, they had a, a play at second base, runner going, Mets able to throw him out thanks to a great throw by Nito, but also an absolutely amazing blocking of the base by Louis Guillorme, uh, able to cut down that runner and really make it an easy save from there for Edwin as the Mets notched what was their second win in that series. And then on Saturday, I mean, as effortless as a game could possibly be, uh, the Mets were cruising from the start. Eduardo Escobar had a three-run homer in the second. Chris Bassett continues to deal six scoreless, eight strikeouts, three hits allowed, two walks. Uh, goes to 14-8 and eight on the season. Area at 3-3-2. David Peterson came on in relief, got seven outs. Uh, and he gave up one earned run, a homer in that ninth inning, but got four strikeouts. Pretty solid performance by him. Adam Adovino closed the door, but... That was just a, a really easy watch if you're a Mets fan. Only complaint I had at the end of that game was that it started to get a little bit long, you know, a lot, a lot of walks. Uh, that, that Pirates team, man, if you're a fan, that is that is rough out in Pittsburgh to have to watch that team close out this season. If I was a Pirates fan, I would have quit a long time ago on that one. I mean, they got a couple of talented players. You know, O'Neill Cruz will run into some homers. They'd be like, all right, that's 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 the future of your team, right? But then you still look at the fact that he's a, a two seventeen hitter on the season with a seven seventeen OPS. And just overall, I mean, that team, there's a couple of talented players, but just a lot of guys dragging. I mean, it's just not good baseball. And the Mets did what they had to do. Uh, they won all of these games, but... You know, what the Braves did was more impressive. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in the final segment. But they went up against the Phillies and swept the Phillies. So this was exactly what the Mets had to do. But I, that, that is just a horrible, a horrible opponent that you were going up against. And uh, on Sunday, I mean, it was it was more of the same. And the Mets jumped out to an early lead. Uh, you know, first inning. Jeff McNeil gets an RBI hit to drive in Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo maybe starting to turn things around a little bit, drawing a lot of walks, getting on base a bunch. He got a hit to lead off that inning. An infield hit, a bad throw, allowed him to go to second, putting him in a scoring position for McNeil, drove him in. But that was the first run for the Mets. They tack on a couple more in the second inning. Another rally, a ton of traffic. Louis Guillaume draws a walk. Tomas Nito gets a base hit. Brandon Nimmo single. So you have the bases loaded. Uh, and you have a bases loaded walk after Francisco Lindor strikes out. McNeil driving in another this time with a walk. And then Pete Alonso grounds into an out that drives in another. But getting back to my point from before, just other opportunities that we've seen uh, throughout this series where maybe the Mets should have put up uh, a little bit more of a convincing crooked number than just putting up two runs when they have a bases loaded no out situation. You don't knock them for, for getting the win. I'm just saying... Let's see this lineup continue to build off of this, and, and maybe there's even uh, more meat on the bone for them in, in future series here. But the game got dicey. It, it did. Jacob DeGrom was brilliant early, and, and we're going to discuss that because he also set a little bit of history in this one. But this was a tie ball game uh, in the sixth inning. O'Neill Cruz tied this one up, hitting a homer off the Grom, and, and suddenly uh, <laughs> you were wondering, are the Mets going to complete this sweep? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the history that was made with DeGrom and the Mets as a staff in this game in just a minute. But first, 
Bet Online is your number one source for all of your pro and college betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. It's Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, Jacob DeGrom set an MLB record in this outing. 40 consecutive starts spanning parts of four different seasons where he has not given up more than three earned runs in a start. But I think it's a little bit interesting that he sets this record now because his last two outings, while still DeGrom, still brilliant, I'm just saying not quite as overwhelmingly dominant as maybe his first you know, six starts this season. He did give up three runs in each of these outings, and uh, you know he struck out 13. Okay, and this is not me saying Jacob DeGrom is not excellent. He is. Uh, it's just... There's such a high bar that has been set there. So while Jacob DeGrom goes out, pitches five innings, strikes out 13, he had 10 strikeouts through four innings, only allows four hits, you are a little bit flabbergasted where in the sixth inning, DeGrom gives up consecutive hits to lead off the inning, base hits. You think, okay, just a couple singles, you know, all right. And then O'Neill Cruz gets him and ties the ball game, and you're going to Seth Lugo to bail Jacob DeGrom out in the sixth inning. It's just crazy um, when anything like this happens to Grom because it's just you expect nothing but zeros. It's the the kind of curse of being as good as he is that he sets the bar so high for himself. But it also, to me, is interesting. Not that I think that DeGrom is uh, faltering or he's any less dominant than he has been because of Kent 13 strikeouts. That's dominant. It's more these two outings have, in my eyes, kind of illustrated how special this streak is. I mean, a- any pitcher can can give up a home run to an O'Neill Cruz and can give up a three-run shot. So DeGrom gives a three-run homer in this game. Had he allowed a run in any of the first five innings, that streak ends. Think about the fact that this is now 40 starts in a row where no combination of errors and mistakes that he has possibly made has resulted in four earned runs allowed. It has not happened. He has not given up a grand slam. He hasn't given up uh, you know, a consecutive doubles in, in a pair of innings, and that's two runs, and then gives up a two-run homer. Just nothing has combined to get to the point where he has allowed more than three earned runs in a start. And the last time he did it, you have to go back to Early September of 2019, September 3rd, right? I'm checking my notes. Yeah, September 3rd, 2019. That's insane. Over three years ago? Four seasons? I mean, the 2019 season, his second consecutive Cy Young. Since then, we had the COVID year. We had the 2021 season where Jacob DeGrom put together the greatest first half in MLB history, remarkable 15 starts before he goes down. And now, because of the circumstances of missing so much time, here he is back and he's 
you know, finally taking the ball every fifth day and, you know, it looks like he'll have, you know, 10 starts maybe by the end of the season before we get into the playoffs here. Uh, if he can keep this streak going through the end of this season and carry it on into 2023, it's amazing. It's just, you take it for granted. Uh, but then now that he's back, at least personally, every time he's on the hill, I'm really investing my time in, in, in not only watching these starts, but appreciating the start these starts when they come because you don't know how much longer Jacob deGrom's in a Mets uniform. And, and what he is doing is just... It's one of a kind. I mean, he is a singular talent. And the the performance that he put forth today, like I said, it's weird to say that it was a bad Jacob deGrom start because he gave up the three runs. That spoiled what was prior to that. A simply sensational one through five innings. I mean, the first five innings today, you know, 13 strikeouts, no earned runs allowed. He was it's just amazing. And I guess he probably just ran out a little bit of gas. Uh, but you get him over 100 pitches, which is good. And, you know, if he feels healthy after this one, you know, you can build off that. Maybe next time that leash gets a little bit longer and he can get him to 110 by the end of this season and really have um, a full force shake of DeGrom. The one thing that I think I said since the beginning of the year um, when it came to DeGrom is that you know, once these in, this injury happened and you knew that you were going to miss him for a while, the good news of, about it, the silver lining is, he could be in absolute mid-season form, fresh arm when you need him most, and that's exciting uh, for the Mets. But there was also a game to win after DeGrom exited, and uh, you had Seth Lugo pitch well, Joely Rodriguez, two incredible innings of relief, five strikeouts. Uh, and this is a guy that I was going to make an argument, we're going to talk in the next segment here about some guys coming off um, the injured list and what a playoff bullpen could look like. I was wondering if Joel Rodriguez would be in a playoff bullpen. He keeps pitching like this. You got a chance. Although, granted, the team he's pitching against, not necessarily the best one, but you still have to get the outs, and he did a great job of that. In the eighth inning, the Mets were able to break the game open late. Tomas Nito, who has been just on another level throughout September, he got a knock. Brandon Nimmo gets a knock. Terrence Gore, of course, actually was the uh, player of the game to score the winning run for the Mets. Uh, he got the sombrero after, and he was noting to reporters that it used to be the hitter of the game sombrero, but because he's not a hitter on this team, he's a runner, it is an offensive player, but he ended up stealing second and third. Um, well, st- stole second, and then the throwing error allowed him to advance to third. Felt like he does that pretty frequently. I don't know if the catchers are just antsy, uh, but it seems like he's getting that free pass to third base whenever he's still second. Nimmo drove him in. Uh, Jeff McNeil walked, uh, Nimmo went to second, this was after Lindor struck out, Pete Alonso walked a load of the bases, and then Daniel Vogelback, who's really starting to come on, got a big hit to drive in, a pair there, and then uh, later in that inning, the Mets scored another run when Eduardo Escobar grounded out. But four spot for the Mets, they go up 7-3 in the game, uh, able to win it. Trevor May closes the door in the ninth, and with that, he struck out one batter, the Mets, as a team, combined to strike out 20, uh, which tied an MLB record. So, love what this Mets team did this weekend. Uh, they went out. They won every game. They beat up on a bad baseball team, which is what they should have been doing the two weeks prior. But, all right, maybe getting swept by the Cubs was the wake-up call they needed. Uh, we said coming into the week, a 5-2 and two week would be great. The sweep obviously eliminated that, but they salvaged it. By sweeping this four-game set, so a four-and-three week certainly could have been worse. 
Now you regroup, you hit the road, you got Milwaukee, you got Oakland this week before a little respite at home, a two-game set against the Marlins, and then we get into uh, the series of the season. So a lot of baseball left to be played, and unfortunately the Braves just keep on winning too. Sweeping the Phillies this weekend, Mets don't really gain any ground other than uh, playing that game on Thursday without uh, the Braves in action, but the Braves still have two games in hand, which means that the slight lead the Mets have right now, I almost look at this as an even division race as we get to this final stretch of the season, and we will see uh, what it looks like when we get to that last series. But for this week, Milwaukee Brewers versus the Mets, and the Mets can clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. We'll talk about that, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. The New York Mets can clinch a playoff berth if they beat the Brewers on Monday night, and Max Scherzer will be returning to the mound. Uh, their magic number at two, and the Brewers are the team uh, that is on the outside looking into the wild card race. I don't know. Do we celebrate a playoff berth with this Mets team? It's been a given for so long. I don't know. I wonder if they do the whole champagne shower. I know there's some in that clubhouse that have already said they'd rather not. They'd rather only celebrate if they win the division. And I uh, tend to agree with them. As much as this team has so rarely made it to the playoffs, uh, if you aren't able to clinch this division, should you celebrate if the Braves came down and they, they chased you down when you were leading it for so long? I don't know because maybe you wait and you say, hey, We'll celebrate when we get to the division series. And you get to the division series, you then have to win the wild card round. So if you want to have a champagne shower after winning that three game wild card series, if you end up in it, maybe that is the move. But the bigger news and the bigger thing to discuss here is that Max Scherzer will be back. And that's big because uh, your rotation is whole uh, for this final little stretch of the season that lines things up for Scherzer, uh, not only to, to pitch in this series, but more importantly, Uh, He should pitch in that series against the Braves, not to look too far ahead. But if everything lines up with how it's slated right now, it would be Bassett, DeGrom, Scherzer in that series against the Braves, which is exactly what you want. Your best three pitchers going up against that team uh, when we get to what really is going to decide this division. I mean, you still have, uh, you know, eight games before we get to that where the Mets need to handle business. And it would be lovely if they can go on a little 12-game winning streak before that series and build off of this one and keep things rolling. Uh, But it's going to be a little bit tougher to do that when you got the Brewers on the road. Because even though the Brewers uh, have not had a good second half, they're still a a 10-game over 500 baseball team uh, with some really good pitchers. You're going up against the reigning NL Cy Young and Corbin Burns on Monday against Max Scherzer. So that's a great pitching matchup. Burns, a 2.97 ERA in the season, 219 strikeouts. Not having as good of a year as he did last year, but he's certainly been solid, and he's going to be tough to hit. Uh, Scherzer, we'll see if he has any limitations coming off the IL. Seems like he is full force ready to go, but maybe they hold him back on the pitches a little bit uh, in this start before his next one, maybe getting him a little bit more full force. But right now, 
to get Scherzer back. You go Scherzer, Carrasco, Taiwan Walker in this series. And then the next series, it'll be Bassett to ground leading things off. So you have to love that. The Mets got this three-game set and off day on Thursday. And then they play that weekend series in Oakland against a team that is currently 41 games under 500. So if you win this series against the Brewers, and if you maybe go out and sweep against the Athletics, feel pretty good about being able to hold on to this division lead against the Atlanta Braves. But the Braves, they don't have a tough schedule this week on the front end either. They're playing the Nats uh, at home. And right now, I think the Braves have like an eight or a nine-game winning streak in Atlanta when playing at home. So not a ton of confidence do I have in the Nationals to win any of these three games. What you can't do if you're the Mets is lose a series to the Braves because then suddenly Atlanta will be right back there even with you if not ahead. So got to handle business against the Brewers. uh, And then that'll bring you to the weekend series where the Mets will have the more favorable matchup against Oakland after a day off where the Braves will get one of those games in hand and use them. We'll see where that puts them. But then they will play or in that game that they'll be playing on Thursday would be against the Phillies, a four-game set in Philadelphia. The Phillies got swept can they get some redemption and help the Mets next week? And that is a conversation for another day. But uh, this is a race, and that's what you got to love. It's coming down to the wire. You got two games to watch every day. You got the Mets and the Braves. You got to figure out um, what that's going to mean when it comes to the implications for the end of this season. Uh, the one thing that I continue to say is just get me to that series in Atlanta. Um, not necessarily this chance to, to clinch, but in a position where the Mets are at least within a game of the Braves, where if they win that series, they'll be set up to win the division. That's what you want. Um, And they just got to get there. I I think that because of the sweep at the hands of the Cubs, I do think it was a wake-up call. I think we saw some urgency winning all four of these games. And maybe now, while it's tough to get to that finish line, it starts to become more and more apparent how close it is, and you really just got to fight through these next two weeks here. That's what it boils down to. And then after these two weeks, it'll be uh, you know three games to close out the season against the uh, the Nats at home, uh, which you would hope would be some type of a celebration, uh, and maybe that would be where you will see the Mets clinch the division, but. It is as tight as it can get, and that's where we'll be covering everything we can throughout the week here on Locked On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB. Hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, Locked On MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever. You get podcasts. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.